Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that has taken the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Welcome, everybody, to the End of the Bench Podcast. My name is Jim Cross, and this is episode 23 titled, Welcome to the Jungle. And it is titled that because we are heading out to East Carolina to talk to Parker Bird. And Parker has an amazing story, one of adversity, and we're going to get to talk to our first ECU Pirate. So I'm pretty excited. But before we get started, we got to plug the sponsors. we got to pay the bills. Chinook Cedary, eight flavors, mild to wild, the best in the game. There's no doubt about it. Help support and sponsor athletes. Continue to grow the game. Memphis City Design. Get your official In Off the Bench merch. I saw a picture today. That's right. Big Brother star Olympian gold medalist Matt Clotz wearing his In Off the Bench LSU hoodie. It could not have looked better. Go check out Smith's Plumbing in the Mid-South. Dustin, give him a call. They will take care of all your plumbing needs. They are the best in the game. And last but not least, Old Dominic Distillery, the best bourbon you can find. And remember, drink responsibly. But let's get into the biggest interview in podcasting this week with our man, Parker Bird. All right, welcome in. It is Thursday night. I am absolutely excited. I'm a little sad that Daniel isn't here, especially with the guests that we have. But nonetheless, we are finally doing ECU, and not just ECU, but Parker Bird. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Just blessed to be on here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna give you a shout out, like right off the top. Like your computer screen is. I don't know what kind of computer you got, but man, usually it's not that clean. It's crispy, man. And then you got the <laughs> hair done. Hey, we. We good. Yeah, that's right. that's that MacBook. Sit in the bar. Yeah. MacBook. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, man, we got to break the ice before we get into your story. You know, I was just talking to you a minute ago. Obviously, man, the, the talk of the sports world right now. Well, for my world, is college baseball starts next week. And that's your world, too. But universally, it's the Super Bowl, right? And it's Sunday. And so I got to ask you, before we get into the football on the field, I find that the most important thing about Sunday is the food. And for you, what is the go-to food that has to be at a Super Bowl party? Uh, wings, man. Pizza and wings. We, uh, My family has a long tradition of watching the Super Bowl together. And uh, we've always been repping some wings and pizza there. So, yeah, I feel, it feels wrong if it's not there. So You like uh, them wet or you like them dry? Uh, either or, to be honest. I mean, I'm not too picky at all. I'll tell you, I, I used to be a sauce guy more until I started going to – uh, blue chicken store uh josh pearson's dad bill pearson turned me on to it a couple years ago and uh i've never looked back they're dry rub and every time i go down to the box we get a we get a box of them we call them crack wings because you can't have like just like three or four right you got to have double digits right. and, like, you don't know how to put them down and stop yeah yeah it's one of those things man but yeah i'm a big barbecue guy but i mean either or is fun yeah, no doubt. Can't go wrong, like you said, wings and pizza. As a matter of fact, I told you I just got home. My wife's got pizza in there waiting. As soon as this episode's over, I'm fixing to, to crash. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. All right, so we got to talk about the game itself, man. Who you got to win it? 
Um, I'm going go with Niners. Um, I'm a big Chris McCaffrey fan. Uh, he was a Carolina boy for a little bit, but uh, yeah, just I've been rooting for CMC for a while, and Purdy always has a great story. So uh, I'm I'm kind of rooting for those guys. Plus, it always helps whenever my cousin and uncles are uh, big Chiefs fans, and they are very obnoxious about it. So uh, it's easy to pull against them whenever. You have them and Taylor Swift on their side, so. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know, when you talk about CMC, right, obviously a high draft pick, you know, um, and then everybody's fantasy running back, right? But I think, honestly, like, he's somebody that he's had to overcome a lot of different things, you know, injuries being one of them, right, because he was a smaller running back. Um, let's call it what it is. Like, white running backs just don't yeah. don't last in football. So I think he's overcame a lot of adversity just getting past that stigma. And so when you put him and Brock Purdy together, I mean, you got two really good stories that if they're able to get it done, but more so, you know, forgetting the the Taylor Swift and the Kelsey stuff, whatever, like I just get tired of seeing the same team win, right? Like yeah. it was like when the Warriors went on their run in basketball, like I just don't want to see it no more. Yeah, exactly. I was I was a big Patriots fan. Well, not big Patriots. I like Tom Brady whenever he was winning, but – once again, that went back to my uncle and cousins being Chiefs fans, and they the more and more Tom won, the more and more they hated him. So uh, it's just it was just fun to be competitive like that. But um, I, I like winners, but I mean it is it is good to mix it up. That's like the uh, World Series last year, and everybody I think the TV views were down, but mm-hmm. I loved it. I mean, you got the Rangers and D backs. I mean, you don't see that too often at all. Yeah, now that's what I said as soon as they knocked off the the Dodgers. I was like, that just killed the ratings. Now, like you said, I don't, I don't care about seeing the Dodgers, but obviously a massive market. So, yeah, when you lose teams like that, but I'm all for it. I will say this about Kansas City, though. You know, I feel good about myself when I go to the baseball games that are like in 35 degree weather with some wind. And I feel I feel proud like I'm out there support supporting it. And these folks go in negative 30 like, bro, like I don't love any team that much. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, them and Buffalo, man, their fan base is just absolutely. Think about how much they pay to be cold too, Parker. They're oh, paying no. like a G to sit there and freeze. <laughs> Easily. I mean, they are. Uh... They definitely stick it out. It's crazy to see those guys. I mean, uh, Kansas City is pretty cold. I mean, were they playing like negative twenties the other day? Like the feel yeah. like a couple weeks ago. And I ain't about Buffalo. that life. I'm good. Yeah, and then Buffalo had people out there shoveling snow out so they can even play a game. So shout out to them for having fan bases like that. But did you happen to see? Uh, I talked to Tony V in our interview a couple nights ago. Did you happen to see the videos going around of Tennessee baseball playing their game in the snow? I have not, no. Oh, yeah, man. It was a quarterback battle. Uh, Drew Beam against Blake Burke and uh, and A.J. Russell. And I asked Coach, you know, I mean, I'm surprised you let them play because I'd be cringing at the thought of an injury. And you know him. He tries to let his guys be his guys. But he said nobody was touching uh, Drew at quarterback. But then he kind of – after he lifted him up, he slammed him back down by saying all those guys should stick to baseball and never touch the ball again. <laughs> I'm like, ooh. That's funny. That's funny. You got to keep him humble. Exactly. But, you know, speaking of the Super Bowl, um, commercials are always a huge deal, man. Everybody looks forward to the commercials. And, man, you get the privilege of being a part of that this year. Talk to us about the Challenge Athletes Foundation. And, you know, I don't want to do too much spoiler for everybody. We want them to see it. But, man, tell them about the one-minute spot y'all are running. I mean, it's special, dude. Challenge Athletes Foundation has been a huge role in my recovery and rehab. Um, I mean, they've provided – Mia Grant to get a prostate. They've done a lot for many other amputees and people with limb differentials and 
I mean, there's a great, great company or a great uh, foundation that just provides stuff for athletes to get back onto the field, uh, try new sports out. And um, so it's just, it's special that I can give back to those guys for, I mean, a bunch of stuff they've given me and my family and a bunch of other uh, kids and adults around the nation. So when you got asked to do that and, you know, I don't know if you're like me. I mean, I, I think about this, the Super Bowl as like, you know, there are people that watch just for those. And like, so when you get asked to do something like that, like, I mean, you're obviously excited for the organization, but you get to be a part of something that, you know, um, the average person may not even care about football, but they'll see your commercial. Yeah. I, it's actually crazy because whenever I got the news, I think I got it probably around a month ago. Um, the owner of Challenge Athletes Foundation, his name's Bob Babbitt. He's a co-founder, and uh, he reached out and told me that he had bought one and about bought a commercial for me, and that basically everything they're going to do. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool because I mean, obviously Super Bowl. I've been watching Super Bowl ever since I was born, and it's almost like a holiday in my family. So I was like, man, that's pretty cool. But I didn't realize how cool it really was until like you have the average person that you know does not watch too much football at all. And they're absolutely freaking out that you're going to be in a Super Bowl commercial. And you're like, you even watch football. And they're like, no, but I love the Super Bowl commercials. And you're like, you know what? This is more than just football. Like, it's everybody watches this for commercials and obviously football. But I mean, it's just the, the fan attendance for that is definitely a lot higher than. <laughs> I'll give you a perfect example. My, my wife is hit or miss on not even just sports, but if she's going to listen to my podcast. And so, there's a chance, Parker, that by Sunday, more than likely, she's not going to have watched this. And then she's going to see your ad. And what she'll do is she'll actually probably look over me and be like, you should interview him. And I'll be like, really? I'm going to look into that. I'm telling you, it could happen. We've had stuff like that. And there's a possibility. So That's great. I'll, I'll just let it slide, too. I won't even say nothing. But you know what, man? You, you got to pick and choose your arguments at this point, right? Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, let's get into it, man. Uh, this, this show is all about getting your story. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from a little place called Laurenburg, North Carolina. So it's uh, the southeast part of uh, North Carolina. Next county below is South Carolina. Um, I was actually originally born in Columbia, South Carolina, but uh, only lived there for about a year and a half and then moved back home to Laurenburg. Both my parents are from there. so uh, they. I were can talking. actually relate to what you're talking about, though. You, uh, I live right now, I live in South Haven, Mississippi. It takes me three minutes to get into Tennessee, and I'm from yeah. Memphis. And so yeah, yeah. you probably have that same thing as me. Like you, you kind of claim both States. Cause I mean, you can just be <laughs> one or the other. That's right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the guys back home and it's like everybody, if they need gas and they have a <laughs> little extra time, they go down to South Carolina cause gas is cheaper. So, I mean, it's definitely cool. You, you know, when you get to South Carolina, cause the roads get a little bit more bumpy. So yeah, I'm glad you can understand uh, that. That's actually one of the weirdest things you, yeah, you can drive across the state line and it's, from Tennessee coming to Mississippi, it's like 30 cents cheaper. And you could literally just be like three miles away. And it's like the wildest thing. It's, it's crazy. And uh, people are like, yeah, I've never been to a different state. And I'm like, I can get to a different <laughs> state in five minutes. <laughs> so, you know, being from North Carolina, I got to ask you, because, you know, we've had a lot of guys from all over North Carolina. I feel like there's not a bad spot. I feel like that state is just amazing, whether the mountains, the beach, or anywhere else in between. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. I think it's probably the best state out there. I mean, it's probably a little biased, but, I mean, we really have it all. And 
I mean, you can go out to Cali, but you're going to have to drive a ways to get to either side. And <laughs> you can get uh, in North Carolina. You pay a lot of money to live there, I know. Yeah, that's right. And a maximum of five hours to get anywhere in North Carolina, and that's the the max to get the coast to coast. So, um, yeah, we have the beach, mountains, and then all the small-town countries in, in, in between. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I found that out because I was planning out my schedule, and, you know, I'm going to go from Columbia – because you brought that up of South Carolina to go to Wake and it's just a four hour drive. But even looking yeah. at Wake, you know, talking about ECU or NC State, you know, it's just like bang, 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 bang. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I think we're Wake is probably about two hours from us. And then NC State's only an hour and a half. I mean, all all the central of the states are all relatively two hours. So it's pretty and, so if and you're a college baseball fan, just move to North Carolina. Simple. Hey, that's what that's what uh many people are doing now. They're big big sports fans because I mean the Carolinas have it all, especially baseball. So yeah, just the worst team in the NFL, but we'll ignore that part, right? Hey, I'm not a Carolina fan, so it's <laughs> I'm probably the second I worst. had to throw shade. I'm a I'm a Saints fan, <laughs> so during our division I got to. Yeah, it's all right. I'm a commanders fan, so probably the second worst team in the NFL. <laughs> well, this wasn't gonna be part of our uh, show, but I gotta ask, man, how much does it bother you saying commanders? I I have to every podcast or anything I'm on, I always have to say commanders, but in real life, I don't say commanders. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> All right, so let's get into family dynamics, man. I, I've actually seen, because of obviously your story, the amount of support you got. But, man, just, you know, talk about your family. How many members, you know, who are all living in the house? Yeah, so I have my mom and my dad. Uh, they're both from Laurenburg, like I said earlier. My mom is a nurse and my dad's a pediatrician. But my mom is a stay-at-home stay mom now. Uh I have two younger sisters, uh, Grayson, who is a senior in high school. She is actually coming to East Carolina next year, so that's pretty cool. She's 17, about to be 18. And then I have Brindley, who's my 11-year-old sister that's in sixth grade now, which is kind of crazy to believe. And uh, she's about to turn 12, I guess. So so how yeah. much did you enjoy being, you know, the big brother that got to provide the example for your little sisters? Because, I mean, that's a – that's a great spot to be in. You know, some, yeah. some people take it for granted, maybe don't realize it later in life. A lot, a lot of people realize it in real time and understand, you know, I have a, a role to play here. I'm supposed to set the example. Right. Yeah. It's cool. Cause I mean, I have a pretty unique relationship with both of my sisters. I mean, but they're both my best friends, but Grayson, who's the 17 year old, she's really like, I feel like she's really more my sister and like, she's my best friend and she's really there through it all. And then Brindley, who's, the eleven-year-old, she—I feel like she's my kid at times because I've actually watched her grow up. And uh, but she—I mean, she's my best friend as well. And I mean, they're—they're they're both really, really close. We're all really close, and it's really cool watching them grow up. And uh, just me being a ro role model to them—it's um, pretty cool. And the fact that they love to keep me humble no matter what, and that's just kind of the relationship we have. And I mean, they're—they're they're amazing. So. Yeah, no, and you could tell that's where, you know, we used to be just an audio podcast for like the first uh, four or five seasons. And right. I'm glad we went to video because seeing you light up, talk about them, you can't fake that, right? Like right. that, the, the literal joy you have in your face talking about them. And so that's cool. It really, you know, sh showcases the relationship you have. And I'll tell you, as someone who has a sister that's eight years older than me, that's never going to go away, man. Like, you know, I'm fixing to be 40 this year. She's 48 and we're still, you know, like this, like it, it just doesn't, we, we, you tease them. You call them, yeah, you right. need them, like that's all that right. stuff still pertains. Yeah, my, my she just got my little sister just got her first boyfriend, so 
whenever that happened, I about shed a tear and I'm not a crier at all. And I was like, dang, this is crazy. Like she's just grown up so fast. That's crazy. Yeah, no, um, the boyfriend stage is always my my daughter's 17. And so yeah, you I don't I don't know if I shed a tear if I start working out more. You can go one way or the other. Um <laughs> but no, definitely. So let's let's get to to baseball, man. Some some guys, you know, they start as soon as they can walk, some um a little bit later in life. Uh, you know, for you, what was it? I mean, as soon as I walked, or really before that, I mean, my dad grew up playing baseball, but he didn't really force a sport on me. But um, one of my first toys was this little, I guess it was a spinny thing, and it had a ball in the end, and I'd sit there and just hit the ball over and over. And uh, so before I could really even walk, I was loved, loved baseball. And uh, as soon as I got up and moving, I mean, as a kid, I waited for my dad to get home from work every day and as soon as he got home at five, I was asking him to go to the cages or the field. And I think we started off like hitting in the backyard the short way. And then once I started hitting over the fence there, we went the long way. And then once I hit it into the pool, which was the end of the long way, my dad's like, all right, it's time to go to the field. So after that, I mean, I, I mean, I loved it. As when I was a kid, I would um, wear a uniform to the field each and every day. And whatever uniform and player I was, I had to play that position. And before I took the field, I had to play the national anthem and go through the whole routine. So, I mean, I, I was in it, and I loved it. I was a big Brian McCann fan, so uh, I was a big catcher at, at the age of two years old. And that's right where I was going to ask you next was, you know, <laughs> who who did you look up to? That's interesting. You know, the first thing that always stuck off to me is, uh, you know, that group of catchers, that team – he used to not wear batting gloves. It always threw me off, man. Yeah. The guy who does it. Evan, Evan Gaddis. Yeah, like, but Brian didn't a lot of times either. Like, and I used to always think, like, what's, what's, you know, I get it. Okay, y'all are men. Like, y'all are gripping that wood bat. <laughs> I, that's got to hurt. Yeah, it does. As a baseball player with using metal bats, I mean, use wood a good bit. But, I mean, I'm a big batting gloves guy, and I, I have a lot of respect. And not only that, they would, they would tore that bat up, too. They'd put a bunch of pine tar on it and. Grab it like it's nothing. I'm like, that's crazy right there. Yeah, no, just, I mean, I, I wasn't a, a big baseball player. I played, you know, slow pitch softball. And I'll just tell you, just from hitting slow pitch softballs, I forgot my batting gloves before. And, yeah, that, man, I don't know. I don't know how those guys do it. Not only that, it's a comfort thing, too. Whenever I don't have my BGs on, I feel like I'm naked. And I feel like <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah, no doubt. So, obviously, you come up, it's a, it's a big deal for you from the time you can walk. Um, clearly you're successful as an early age. You got your dad, you know, coaching you up. You got guys that you're looking to on TV. Um, you know, obviously travel ball has got to become a thing because in order to get to an elite level like you're at, travel ball just has to be. So, you yeah. know, who did you play for? Um, so towards the end, uh, my high school days, I played with South Charlotte Panthers. Um, there's an organization out of Charlotte. Uh, they are tremendous. Um, but growing up, I started out playing with a local team back home. Uh, just with some local guys that I actually ended up playing high school ball with. But – and then when I was about 10, 11 years old, it was time for me to branch off from those guys, and I went to other organizations. But I stayed with the same, like, group of guys, but we just changed organizations. But from eighth grade on, I was with South Charlotte Panthers, and they, they played a tremendous role in my development and recruitment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, in order to get to the level you're at, it's it's a have to nowadays. And right. so, you know, what I'm curious about, you know, travel ball and the area I'm in, like you have to, you know, 
in Mississippi, a lot of teams, you know, are going to Florida. They're going to Georgia to get a part of tournaments. With you being in North Carolina and there being so much talent, is it one of those things that you don't have to leave the state as much, or are you still doing the same thing that the guys here are doing and you're, and you're hitting up Florida, hitting up East Cobb and Georgia, all that? Yeah, uh, I would say a little bit of both. Um, I would say that your local tournaments would have a lot more competition than if you would go to another state, uh, minus, I guess, Florida and Georgia and all those places. But um, there's still still the big tournaments are in Georgia and Florida and I guess now in Hoover, Alabama. And so those those places you'd still go to a lot. Um, but I would say your your local tournaments definitely you were blessed with a lot more talent and you'd see dudes all the time and um like we played Kansas National, which is the right. big the big uh travel ball organization. They we played them in local tournaments all the time, just getting ready for Jupiter, which is in Florida and um just some big tournaments. So it's pretty cool just seeing dudes all the time. Yeah, I think y'all got some kind of uh beef with with the Canes in North Carolina because um recent recent guests from North Carolina talking about travel ball brought them up too. Dalen Thompson from Campbell. Anyway, yeah. the Canes must be who y'all put a put a target on around there. Well, I would say um for sure. <laughs> they they I mean it's just with South Charlotte, we're a very local team and we pulled guys from the Carolinas uh mainly. And, I mean, we're a really close-knit group of guys that work really hard. And I'm not saying no no other organization worked hard, but it was definitely very aggravating whenever you would – and this is true true story, but you were playing an organization such as the Canes or another organization, and uh, you're playing, like, their B team, which is still pretty freaking good, and their A team lost out in the tournament, and then all of a sudden you see – all these pitchers from the other team transport mm-hmm. to their dugout. And you're like, don't think this is just fair just for those guys just to bounce around right. teams. But, I mean, found a way to win. So that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's one of those things that, you know, when it comes in – and my daughter plays uh, club soccer, and I like her coach's mentality. He always plays them up in tournaments and never plays them on even competition or down. And it's not about stacking, you know, same thing with travel, about stacking rings on the on right. the weekend or whatever. It's about getting better. And yeah, ultimately, I mean, if, that were, if that's losses to get there, then so be it. But it's not about collecting hardware. Yeah, I mean, I think that development with travel ball is key because, I mean, ultimately you're not just going to be a travel ball player. You're going to go to that next level and um, compete. So, I mean, the Canes did a great job of producing guys, but – they get the top tier talent. So um those guys are going places no matter what. So um but they I mean a lot of respect to those guys. I mean I played them a lot. They're very classy and uh but yeah we we uh I love my South Charlotte days for sure. No doubt. So let's talk about high school. Where'd you go to high school at? I went to high school at Scotland High School. Um it was uh I guess my all the way up to my junior year we were four A which is the biggest in North Carolina. And then my senior year, we went down to 3A. But uh, I loved – I was very loyal to really everything I'm, I ever do in life. But um, I just stuck it out with the same high school. And, I mean, it was a bunch of local boys. We weren't – I didn't have big recruits or anything. It was – I think I was really the only recruit we had on my high school team. But uh, we played together so well that, I mean, we won conference my senior year and made, made a pretty good run my junior year. But – uh, we just, I really, those are probably the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. Well, so. That's what it's really, I mean, 
almost all the sports are like that now. The high school is supposed to be just, you know, obviously you're you're trying hard. It's serious. You want to win. But, you know, from a yeah. talent standpoint, it might not be anywhere close to your travel team. But you got your, like you said, you got your boys. And it was the same way when I played football way back when, you know. And all these sports are the same, man, because everybody's on a, um, you know, club or travel team. And so, yeah, it, it's supposed to be. And, you know, regardless of travel and high school, you know, you were rated as the 75th best shortstop nationally and the second best shortstop in North Carolina by perfect game. So clearly, regardless of, you know, your options, you you were able to showcase your talent and get seen. Um, so when did you start getting recruited? Like, I mean, and what I mean by that is like, when did you start actually getting that first phone call from a coach who was interested? Yeah, so uh, the summer going into my ninth grade year, uh, actually, I guess it was first couple weeks of school in my ninth grade year. I went to three camps back to back to back on those weekends. So I went to the Duke camp first, and I actually got a phone call from Coach Jordan, who I guess is actually at LSU now. But uh, he he called me. I, that was my first official phone call, and that was before I went to that camp. So really early ninth grade, and then I went to ECU um, the second camp the next weekend. And then uh, Coach P, Coach Palumbo, um, they they started recruiting me then. And then I went to Coastal Carolina the third weekend. And then um, – but I, after I went to ECU, man, I was like, this place is home. Both of my parents went here. Um, but, I, I mean, I love everything about it. And I just loved it ever since I went to camp here. So um, I committed November 12th of 2018, which is my ninth grade year. Um, but ECU was my first, I guess, official offer um, at other places that were about to pull the trigger and that were really heavily on me. But as soon as ECU offered, man, I was like, this is the place I want to be. Um, why wait? And Right. Keep well, well let, me, let me ask you, um, regardless if you would have chose there, you know, you talked about when you selected. Do you um, – most guys we've talked to, um, even if they wouldn't have chosen – or, or changed where they chose. They they like the new rule just because it gives them a chance to think about it more. Obviously, get older, see who all pursues them, and then there's obviously a lot of guys who got better, and so they would wish they would have waited. Um, so, how much do you love the new rule that guys can't choose like as early as you did? Right. Um. I actually, I I'm a fan of it. Um. I know I got committed really early, but um, I'm a fan of it just because. I've seen a lot of guys get recruited really early out, early on in the process, and then they don't turn out to what they they should be. And then I've seen on the other end of the spectrum, the other end, all the time, where where guys are really bad at a young age, or not bad, but they're not matured. And where some guys, I'll give are you a perfect example on this show that floored everybody. Ben Joyce couldn't get more than one community college offer. Yeah, um, and then by example. senior year after. He didn't have to. By senior year, he was offered by a ton, but because he's a loyal guy, he stuck with the only school that, you know, entertained him for two years. And I actually appreciate that. And obviously it worked out for him. But you know, you you see Ben Joyce and you think that guy played community college. Like for Yeah, real. for real. I mean, that's that's how it is. Um, but it, yeah, so I like the fact that um they were actually gonna have to wait the process out a little bit longer and um because, I mean, you see a lot of the Ben, ben Joyce's out there where they're studs their senior year, but, I mean, they just get recruited late because, I mean, the way college baseball was going was if you're not committed by ninth and 10th grade, then you kind of miss the ship a little bit. And 
Uh, but now where they backed it up till was it junior year? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that will help out a lot on really both in those spectrum. Yeah, and I just like the uh, the maturity of when you make that decision because. Um, regardless of, you know, like you said, you want to go to ECU and you, and you know that and everything, but they're still asking a 14 year old kid to make a life decision. Yeah, I know. And, and to me, that's yeah. too early. And then while I'm thinking about it, just cause you, I didn't expect you to bring up coach Jordan. So fu- funny story from a, a few weeks ago, uh, practices weren't open yet, but I was given access. And so I was recording and he comes over there and goes, just to remind you, you know, you can't release that video on Twitter because I know you will. And I was like, I know. Like, <laughs> I probably is going to, too. You know, I'm supposed to. It, just, it just depends on what happened. I wasn't going to do anything bad. But I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. at the time in which he said it, Tommy White was taking his first session of the year. If he would have hit a nuke, it probably would have found its way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's a great dude. I mean, I, I like Duke a lot, but that price kind of turned me off there. I was like, hey, I kind of want my sisters to go to school, too. Well, at least I know you could have went there when it comes to academics because that's the thing. You also got to be smart, but obviously saw that you took care of uh, business in the classroom, still are at ECU. So shout out to you for um, obviously not just caring about your athletics, but academics because that's important. hundred percent. So, you know, you talk about why, why ECU. Um, I wanted to put this note out there. You know, how much or let me ask this question first. How much did you get to go to games coming up? Uh. I would say, I mean, not not too much. We we went to a bunch of football games as a kid, um, but I kind of hit a little dry patch there. I guess once school started and me and my sisters got a little bit busier and then with travel ball, I mean, you were busy every weekend. So uh, not too much, but once I committed, um, we were up here a good bit watching baseball games and football games. But yeah, the reason I ask is because I have, you know, and I'm telling you, I got founders and ECU on the list this year, but they're the two schools. Um, you know, I want to experience the jungle, those that and founders, I want, I want to, yeah. experience them. and you know, I asked that for you because growing up, I, I imagine it was everything because I mean, it's got a reputation nationwide. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, those people, those fans out there are absolutely amazing, they give. They give us a huge, huge home field advantage, um, arguably one of the best in college baseball. And, uh, I mean, it's a special experience. Me and my sister actually went to the Super Regional uh, game one against Texas, and we ended up winning that game. But it was a back-and-forth game for a while, and then we ended up just unloading on them. And it was, it was so cool. I mean, I think that game – I think one of the Texas outfitters was going to catch a fly ball like pretty deep on the warning track, and he ended up like bouncing the ball over the mm-hmm. wall. And those guys in the out or in the, in the jungle were absolutely letting that guy <laughs> hear everything. Got to, got to. Cool experience for sure. You just you just got to ask for forgiveness <laughs> afterward, but in the moment you got to do what you got to do. That's right. I think it, it's actually pretty funny because. Um, and like our hype video now that I guess we show at banquets and all the recruits and stuff, like I get they have a little recording from the Texas game, and I'm over the fence, like doing horns down, and like <laughs> it was pretty, pretty funny. I'm not gonna get into it, but it's absolutely wild how, um, people get in trouble for doing horns down. I don't even, I don't even get it. It's, it's yeah. soft. If they're gonna come to the SEC, that's gotta go. <laughs> oh, 100%. They all, the fans in the SEC are pretty unreal, too. Absolutely. So, man, let's let's get into it. You know, your story, obviously, before you even get a chance to play at ECU, 
um, let me ask you before the accident is like outdoor sports, something that you do, you know, normally, or was this like a first time type of deal? Um, I would say it's a pretty typical thing. Um, I grew up pretty close to lakes and stuff and my, my dad had a boat growing up and all that stuff. So we go to the river a good bit and the lake and we'd go tubing and the water skiing and having a really good time. So going into this, this isn't like something that, you know, you expect to have and you're comfortable going out there. It's, oh it's yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Cause I mean, growing up, I went all the time as, especially with my dad and stuff. So, I mean, being close to lakes, that's kind of what everybody did. Yeah. So as far as this next part, man, it's, I want you to feel comfortable how much you share, how you share it. But for those who don't know, like, you know, talking about what happened that day. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, it was a Saturday. Um, so basically in the summer going into your freshman year at East Carolina, the baseball players report, um, pretty early that summer and just to get used to the, like the program and school here and just get really accommodated to everything. So, we're here for summer school and summers here are really honestly really boring because kids aren't here. Uh, the really it's a college town. So the whole college or the whole town's kind of a little bit more dead and relaxed. So uh, I think it was the last weekend, uh, July 22nd. Uh, I think we were going back home like the 29th or 27th, somewhere around there. But uh, so we were like, one of our teammates had a river house probably around 40 minutes from Greenville. And he, he was actually a late commit, which, like we were talking about earlier, you get committed really earlier, really early. And we were in summer school, and we heard that we had got a new commit. And we're like, like in our class? And we're like, yeah. So we're like, okay, this is kind of weird. So he comes, and he ends up – he says he's going to be the bullpen catcher, which is pretty selfless being a bullpen catcher. I mean, it's a lot of work just not to get any playing time. And so – he comes and is like, hey, my grandparents have a river house like 40 minutes from Greenville. Like, we should go one weekend. So everybody's like kind of like, yeah, man, for sure. Like, we'll find time. Well, it was the last weekend. We're like, why not? I mean, there's nothing to do here. Might as well. So that Friday, we had early morning 300 to like 5 a.m. And so we went, did those, worked out, um, got our hitting in, did everything we needed to do. I uh, went back, took a little short nap, and got all of our stuff together and went to Bath, which is where the river house is. And so that Friday, we had a good time. We had a great time that night, uh, cooked and did did all fun activities and stuff. And then um, that Saturday morning, I was actually supposed to take one of the guys back to Greenville because he was supposed to help an elderly couple move some furniture. And he got a text that morning saying, Hey Miles, thanks for volunteering, but uh, we we got some other help and we don't really need yours anymore. So we're all like, "Hey, that's cool. Let's go back on the out on the tube and on the boat and have a great time like we did yesterday." So um, we got everything together, had some lunch, and then uh, got back out on the tube. And then me and a guy named Dixon Williams, who is still here, um, he's in my grade and he's actually from Greenville. Uh, we got on the tube first that day. And uh, the driver was driving pretty normal. And me and Dixon ended up falling off the tube. Well, right, that's pretty fun. Let's go back on it. So we're like, okay. And the driver's like, hey, I'm going to drive a little bit more crazy this time. We're like, all right, that's fine. Let's, I mean, try to throw us off. It's pretty cool. So he he's driving pretty crazy. 
more determined, really just throw us off. And Dixon uh, skids off the tube onto into the water, and then the driver kind of whipped the boat the other way, which ended up uh, allowing the tube to hit awake, and I flew way up in the air with the tube. And one thing about me is I'm absolutely terrified of heights, so I just let go. And I hit the water really hard, so I was like, all right, man, I have to get back to this boat. So uh, I was swimming back to the boat, and I was kind of using the rope from the tube to kind of just guide myself back into the back into the boat. And uh, as I got around 10 yards, 10, 10-ish yards from the boat, um, all of a sudden I looked up, and the boat's coming towards me. And uh, as soon as I realized that, uh, the rope from the uh, tube got caught into the propeller and basically ended up like pulling me under the boat. So the propeller hit both of my legs and my left hand uh, just because I pushed off the propeller with my hand. And the motor stopped as after they, they hit everything. And as soon as I pushed off, the Miles, the guy who I was supposed to take back home, jumped in immediately and he had realized what happened uh so he helped pull me back onto the boat and then they tied tourniquets around my legs with their t-shirts as best they could and then uh my girlfriend at the time she called 911 and was getting all that situated as another guy was waving down boats uh well then the first boat stopped and they were like uh they addressed the situation to the boat and the boat's like um, sorry, we can't really help, but here's a first aid kit. And they're like, this isn't going to help at all. Uh, so they're like, why can't you guys help? And they're like, oh, well, we have kids on the boat. And we don't want to expose them to this bloody scene. So they're like, that's crazy. So they continued to wave down boats and the second boat stopped. And on that boat was two couples. And the only reason they were going back in was because one of the couples had gotten into an argument and they're like, Hey, can you take me back to the Marina? um we just kind of want to go home for today and just call it call it a day so on the way back in they saw our boat they stopped uh they're like of course we'll help and then so they transported me onto that boat where there was actually a nurse that was uh one of the ladies was a nurse so she tied, tied her tourniquets around my legs as they transported me to the marina there where the ambulance was waiting on me and then the ambulance transported me to the local hospital where there was a helicopter waiting on me, which then they airlifted me from there to uh, ECU help. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, this was a long process, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, I got to ask, like, you talk about it now, but in real time, I mean, just how scared were you? Uh, I mean, it was, it was weird because I had a lot of emotions. Uh, I just kept telling myself, like, stay awake, stay awake, because – I knew that if I would pass out or fell asleep that I, I don't know if I would wake him back up. So I would continue just to remind myself, hey, stay awake. And I really didn't want to look at my legs just because I saw the people's reactions and I knew that it was pretty bad. And so I just sat there and played with my hand and I was like, dang, my hand's messed up. But I didn't know how severe my legs were. So uh, they tra I was getting transported from boat to boat to – uh, the ambulance to the helicopter and then kind of had this really weird experience on the helicopter where I was sitting there I was laying on the helicopter and the first thing the nurse asked me was hey baby are you a Jehovah Witness and I was like that's a really what? weird question to ask right now I was like no ma'am I'm not 
And she's like, okay. And I, at the time I was really confused, but when my parents having such a medical background there, they told me that Jehovah witnesses can't give blood products or anything, get receive blood products from mm. anybody. So that's their way of asking, can I receive gotcha. blood it's so, still been weird in the time you're you're yeah, trying to definitely. focus on what's going on and you get asked that like okay yeah so I'm sitting there laying there and just kind of listening to the nurses talk on the helicopter and then uh, I had this really weird out of body experience where I, I was laying there but I could I kind of rose out of my body and I could see myself laying on the operating table and uh, I saw the people operating on me and so like I was definitely. Heading up to heaven for sure. Man, that's crazy. Um, Like, I, I can't even imagine it. And it's, I've heard this story just recently in regards to, um, I don't know if you saw what I tagged you in today. We got an event Saturday, KD Hill from the Ole Miss yeah. football team. And Actually, uh, I, I recently got in contact with him. I saw him uh, through Instagram, I think. And I saw how he was an Ole Miss football player and the NFL hopes and dreams and how he was kind of on that path. And, I think he got in a car accident, right? Yeah, he got in a car accident. He was um, – and that's the thing that stuck out to me when you were talking about how long it was. It took five hours before they, you know, yeah, got him taken what, care of. That's what he told me, yeah. So, I, I reached out to him on Instagram, which was kind of honestly really rare for me to do. Um, but I saw where he was kind of – really kind of in the same place I was where he had a lot of talent, a lot of hopes and dreams, and kind of how he got his leg amputated. So I reached out. I was like, hey, my name's Parker Bird. Um, like, this is what happened to me. I was like, I'm sorry. Where, what happened to you? Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, it's pretty tough. I was like, mine's a little bit, like, further along than you are. So, like, if you have any questions or, like. And he told me today you and you inspire him. And what's crazy is right now he's inspiring this whole area. And then you inspire him. And so it's cool to to see it's kind of like an iron sharpens iron thing. Y'all are y'all are a brotherhood of guys who are going something that we don't understand. Um and right. y'all are able to encourage each other. So it's it's cool to see that. And man, yeah, he's been putting these workout videos. And so I see what you're doing to become the first D1 baseball player with the prospect. Like I see what he's doing, and I'm like, that's wild because um I, I picture myself in y'all scenario and I think about folding, man. Like, all right, man, you know, why, why does, you know, why does God hate me type deal? Right. Like, right. because yeah. I'm st just like, like you said, y'all are so similar. You're starting into your college baseball plan. He's starting into, he had just signed an XFL contract. Like you're both starting a significant thing. And then, you know, you, you get your leg amputated and it's like, why? But both of y'all have not chosen that way. Right. Like y'all haven't, um, you know, balled up and went to the corner at all. Like you're dead set on this. He's dead set on that. And so I got to ask you, you know, because I've talked to him, I've never talked to you. So how do you get that motivation? You know, what is it that inspires you every day to say, I'm going to do this? Yeah. Um, I would, I've always tell people it's really just my support system. Uh, starting with my family to the community here in Greenville, the community back home in Laurenburg, like I mean, I've had a tremendous support system, like, throughout it all. But um, I think it's really just the way I was raised, um, just really faith-based uh, family that I just put all their trust in God. And, uh, I mean, this is just uh, just another obstacle to go through. But I think I was telling him, but I was also telling this other amputee girl that I know that kind of struggles a little bit more with the mental side, I was like, hey, God allowed this to happen for us, not to us. And she's like, you know, I never really looked at it like that. I was like, hey, you just kind of have to 
change your mindset and your perspective to like kind of instead of the poor me, like why not me, really? Yeah, no doubt. By chance, man, I'm gonna throw like a curveball of where he says you're a baseball guy. Do you, have you ever seen Big Brother know who Matt Klotz is? I do not, no sir. Okay, he finished second, and anyway, uh, he started messaging me. I told him in the middle of the interview, and he said who, and I sent him the thing, and uh, he he's inspired. And this is a guy, and the reason I bring it up to you is, um, he is an eight time gold medal winner in the uh the deaf uh, or I don't know how it works. He's he's deaf though, but he's Olympian. Yeah, uh, yeah. For LSU swimmer, and so another guy who didn't let um you know adversity get in his way and challenge it so much so that he's now was just on Big Brother reality TV show, finished second, and he actually had to, uh, he struggled in it because he struggled to hear what people were saying because he's still, you know, he's he's gotten the the surgery and the and the hearing aids and everything, but still can't hear everything. And in a game that's like social and people are like talking behind your yeah. back, like he can't hear them. So um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy, man. Like all you guys are like, um, man, y'all inspirations. And the thing about you that I think about, because you go back to the start of the, the show we're talking about your sisters right and they have now learned from their big brother um to not let anything stop you from you know accomplishing your dreams in life like right like they saw you get the the biggest hang-up you could possibly get and yet here you are going to do what you set out to do and so um not not only inspiring people around the country i know based upon what you're saying you're a family guy so that's cool that your sisters right now um, are watching you do this. And so I got to ask, as you're doing, you know, ECU baseball, like how just how hard was it? Like, obviously um, you're putting in the work, but when you got out there, like the adjustment, I mean, I can just only imagine just just how hard was it for you? Yeah, so um, it, I mean, it was definitely a progress to get there. I mean, there's just little things like along the way. Uh, I guess I, I started – as soon as I got out of the hospital, I was I was on the re recovery and the road to get back. So I started off really just sitting there watching a the ball go by in a wheelchair, and then I progressed to a walker, and I was hitting uh, with a walker and then crutches, and then I ended up getting my prosthetic, and I was kind of not really using my lower half at all, just swinging my upper body. And then I got the grant from Challenge Athletes Foundation to get that, that prosthetic leg in which allowed me to really – my my recovery just exponentially grow. And uh, from then on out, I was, I started doing a scissor motion in my swing. So instead, so I don't have a back ankle, I have to accommodate by doing the scissor motion, which is actually a normal, a natural movement, but people just kind of get taught out of it now. Um, so just adjustments like that have been really key to getting back. And then, uh, so I figured out the hitting hitting part first, and then after that it was like, okay, we need to get me moving again, get me more mobile. And then so I started running a good bit and then just doing a lot of lateral movements, which was really – I plateaued for a while because the lateral movements were definitely by far the hardest, hardest thing to learn and do. And then honestly just being back out there with the guys has helped me out so much just because that natural competitiveness where you don't want to – you want to fit in and you want to play to the level they are. So really just being back out there, my fielding has improved so much. And so when you, I, when you talk about, let me uh, cut in for a second. When you talk about the, the hitting and then you start talking about the lateral movement, I imagine right now that your core strength has to be, you know, on point right now, because I feel like that's the key, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, that's where all the balance comes from. And 
really, I guess from hitting so much that you use that core really with every swing. So uh, it's definitely been built up for a while. You better have a six pack, my guy. They're like, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's it's hidden under some uh, dad bod, but besides <laughs> that. <laughs> So how, uh, you know, I've seen the pictures. Uh, I haven't actually just seen like actual footage. I don't know if it's out there or not, but I saw the pictures of you in the box and you on the field, you know, just, uh, you know, you say you're, you're getting it, you're getting better. Like, how are you in, in regards to, you know, this upcoming season, you know, how are you looking, how are you feeling? Yeah. So uh, my role this year will just be more of the pitch hit role. Um, get in when I can, which is totally fine with me. Um, me and coach Godwin had a conversation the other day. He's like, hey, you can um get you can redshirt this year and have an extra year here, which that would be my I guess my sixth year, which is kind of crazy. And uh or you could get five to ten at bats this year to see how that goes. And um so I was like, hey coach, I want to play. Uh, I I believe in myself enough where I know that if I get five to ten at bats that I know I'm gonna produce and I may be the guy to go to off the bench, which is totally fine with me. I mean, um but as each year goes on, I hope to increase that role and obviously end up starting. But whatever's best for a team, man, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, what would be the best way to go about it? Do the do the Tim Elko way about it. Like, you know, just hit bombs and then when he had a torn ACL, that way you don't have to worry about having the blazing speed. That's right. Yeah, that's why I tell people all the time if you hit over the fence, they don't they don't care how fast you run. No, I, I will ask that though. Like on the speed, like um, you know, that's one of the things I'd like to see a video. I mean, are you are you getting around pretty good? Yeah, yeah. So the past two to three months have, have once I said like things. It's weird in the recovery process with this. Like you see things like grow really fast, and then they plateau out for a little bit, and then they grow really fast again. But um, so it's kind of right before I guess winter break for us. Like I was like, hey, if I want to get onto the field this year, like. I'm gonna have to move a lot better than what I'm doing right now. So uh, I'll start running with a local guy here. Uh, he owns a facility back here, but his name is uh, Trent Britt, and I run with him twice a week and just do uh, we do one day of uh, lateral movements. So basically, just like I said, like uh, the quickness, agility, back and forth, and then one day of acceleration, deceleration. Because once I get up the speed, I'm I'm fine. But it's really like the first. 10 yards that I was struggling with for a while. And then uh, so I was like, hey, I need to need to work on this really, really hard over this break. So I did. And then uh, once we got back, I continued to work with them. So over the past two or three months, man, that, that's just really just blown through the roof. And uh, I mean, it's not exactly where I want it to be yet, but uh, it's 100 percent getting there. And uh, we're definitely getting back to what what it was. Yeah, no doubt. And the and the speed thing, the reason I asked it, you know, I saw that um the Olympian who uh has two of them, you know, two and yeah. I mean, he's absolutely flying. Like as a matter of fact, he's so fast now they're accusing him of like Roy's and stuff. It's like, dang, you can't just let this man have his moment. Yeah, no, they they I think they accuse him of like because they said that like the prosthetics were helping them or something like, like that. And I couldn't imagine somebody telling me I'm a cheater when I got two prosthetic legs on. I know that's uh people ask me that question actually a lot more than you think like has the NCAA released something where like they're saying that's a cheat code I'm like 
I, I'm setting the groundwork for this. I'm it's like, not like you've got a bionic arm and hitting tanks out the park, bro. Exactly. Like, it's not like I can set a mode to where, like, I know that I'm going to hit a home run if I make contact. Like, it's, I promise you, if anybody's wondering, it's, I, I guarantee you it's a disadvantage, if anything. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, I know this episode's getting long, and we hadn't even played our game yet, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your team because you're the first – ECU guests we've had this season, you know, talk to me about the team, you know, uh, you know, you don't got to take all day. Give me, give me the rundown of the whole team, but just give me a couple guys on the, uh, on the bump that have looked extremely well to you. And then a couple hitters that you think will really stand out. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we have Trey Savage who, uh, is a first rounder this year, hopefully. Um, I mean, he's a dude, he was a dude last year. He was a dude his freshman year, but, he just he goes out there and does the dude coming out the womb, it sounds like it really is. I mean, I think he's actually young for his age, which really helps for his draft uh stock, but he uh he's a dog. But uh then our other guy, our the other dude on the bump, uh his name's Zach Root. He's a sophomore and he's from Florida and he he's a dude as well. He was actually committed to Florida and uh he got, he got smart. Yeah, and then he got smart and became a pirate. So, uh, but he's a left-hand pitcher. He his stuff's absolutely nasty. I mean, moves all sorts of ways. And uh, so those two guys are gonna be pretty big staples at the one-two spot this year. I mean, they're gonna be pretty consistent and be who they are. And then uh, our lineup, man. I mean, top to bottom, we're pretty pretty much stacked. I mean, we have really twelve starters, which is a good problem to have. But, I mean, you have your typical guys. I mean, we have at second base, we have a guy named Jacob Starlin, who I think is probably the most underrated player in the nation just because, like, he gets no love on preseason rankings, not even in the conference. But the dude goes out there and absolutely rakes every year. And then uh, we have Jacob Jenkins Coward in right field who uh, had a phenomenal, phenomenal freshman year. Uh, I think it was freshman All-American and, uh, had a good year last year too, but has very high expectations this year, and hopefully he uh, can power that lineup. And uh, but I mean, we got dudes in really every spot, and then we have uh, we're not a big transfer team, so you're not going to see us having ten transfers like some other schools. But we do I'll have talk a about my team. I'm sorry, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what you were doing. <laughs> I was. It's all right, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yes so we have uh this transfer named Chaz Myers in the infield that he's a very versatile guy and then we have a guy named Dixon Williams at third that just I mean those guys all can just absolutely rate yeah and I got y'all ranked at 15 obviously I wanted you to do that for those who maybe um don't know ECU as well so they can have some guys to to look for but I, I know that y'all are a perennial contender no doubt I get to see you guys because I talked about you know Memphis just being rock throwing distance um y'all come there for a series this oh, yeah, year right, so man. um i look forward to it because memphis you know they're not ecu but they're an up-and-coming baseball team simply yeah. because um they've gotten smart you know we we talk about you know doing things uh, a certain way so they are going and getting guys in the transfer portal from mississippi state ole miss even south carolina you know all the sec schools guys that aren't getting playing time and bringing them in so you think about it you're getting sec caliber dudes bringing them into the aac so um, really, really smart job. They got a brand new field that you're going to get to uh, go out there and, and be on. So, like I said, that's not – the environment's nothing like your stadium. It's not like the jungle. 
And, you know, they're not a perennial contender, but they're going to be not the Memphis of old. I think they got some, they got some dudes themselves. So, um, I look for a good they're, series. They're always, they're always a team that's hard to beat, man. They're scrappy. And, I mean, they – you'll look up and the score is only four to three and you're like, we should be killing these guys. But, I mean, they're, just, they're good. I mean, it's hats off to them. The the guy I'll tell you to to remember, and we'll see how it pans out, and I'm not just rooting him to, to wreck your pitching staff, but Jacob Compton – um, basically, he came on here and talked about it. Uh, he South Carolina wanted him, or he was there, but they ended up he ended up coming back to Memphis because they couldn't offer him any scholarship money, and Memphis was offering him a full ride. So obviously, good enough to play. As a matter of fact, he was the starter in front of e- Ethan Petrie. May not even be Ethan Petrie if um, he doesn't leave. This is a crazy story because I talked to Ethan about it afterward. Um, Ethan's my my first pick in our Survivor draft pool, and. Uh, and he talks to me about it. He had a terrible fall uh, last season, and Jacob was in front of him. Um, and so it's crazy to think that the guy that was the second best freshman in the country, um, you know, looked terrible fall, and there's a guy in front of him, and now he's at Memphis. Like, yeah, so. for real. That is wild. I mean, they they played smart by getting those bounce backs like that, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good series against them. Yeah, don't come in here and wreck it, and it'd be no fun. All right, like y'all, all right, man, take it easy, might- man. I'm from there. I'm sorry. No uh, hometown discount for you. Uh, there you go. But let's play the game we always play. It's called this or that. It's pretty simple. You get two options. You choose one or the other. Can't say neither. Can't say both. Are you down to play? Let's do it. All right. It is brought to you by Chinook Cedary. Eight flavors, mild, wild, the best in the game. Have you had them? I have not, no, sir. Okay. Well, that's going to be okay because I'm setting you up to be the ambassador for ECU. You're going to get – two boxes of all those flavors and what you're gonna do is you're gonna try them individually and i'm gonna tell you the best combos that we try on the show i'm gonna recommend the smoking toast the bougie cowboy probably the speedy gonzalez you're gonna love them heck yeah all right so here we go chicken or beef tacos uh let's go chicken liquid or bar soap uh liquid did you know liquid soap don't even clean but 50% of your hands when you use it? Really? I did not. No, no I just said that. I say that to get a few bites. I did not. You're teaching me something on here. No, me, I do that because Vance Honeycutt Pig Bar, and I've been doing that ever since because me and him were talking about how it feels like liquid soap doesn't clean your whole hands. Yeah, well, uh, that's funny because uh, I'm typically a liquid soap guy just because it's easier, but uh, – uh, my mom got me a bunch of bar soap for Christmas, so I've at my house I've been doing a bunch of bar soap, which is kind of weird. You got that that men's that men <laughs> fragrance stuff that you get from the sports yeah. sports stores? Yeah, I got that for Christmas too. I think that's like the go to Christmas uh, stocking stuffer now. That stocking stuff right there, yeah, that's exactly what it was too. There you go. All right, so man, this was a tough for me. I was I was looking at the pictures before I put this question on there. Um, the black uniforms or the powder purple uniforms? Oh, ah, that's a good one. Um, ah, dude, I, I'm gonna go with the black. I, I love our powder purple, and I, I really like how we're doing it and how we have them now. But those black uniforms to me are so sick, and uh, I, I love black and I love purple on black. And yeah, I think that's what we're is. never gonna do it at LSU. We're a traditional school. We're not gonna ever do alternate. So I have to enjoy ECU uniforms because that's as close as I'm gonna get to purple on black. Yeah, I mean. I, I love, like I said, I love our powder ones, but that black is probably my favorite jersey we have for sure. All right. Would you rather be lost in a jungle or trapped in a haunted house? Lost in a jungle 
Um, I'm going to go lost in the jungle just because I have freedom. You got freedom to get caught up by a tiger or a giant python or all the so things I, here in the jungle. See, this is the thing, man. I I know there's spiders in the jungle, but in the haunted house, there's a lot of spiders. <laughs> and I am terrified of spiders. So. I, I am too, and I'm going to tell you, man, I don't – that's why – I won't go to Australia. We've had three Australian guests on here, and they're they're out year round. They tell me I'm man, I'm good, bro. That's exactly. My mom knows I'm absolutely petrified of spiders, and she'll send me TikToks all the time of like Australian spiders, and it's hmm. hey, that's one of my biggest fear. Heights and spiders will. Yeah, no. Spider, I'm, my sixth grade teacher brought in her tarantula for people to touch, and I was in the back of the classroom, like as far as I could get against the wall. Like I'm good. Yeah, trying to transfer classes there. There you go. All right. What's better, a costume party or a pool party? Uh, pool party. All right. I've added the second question to this because ever since Josh Hartle came on here and said that the Wake Forest guys were Teletubbies, which is just beyond interesting to me, I got to know, if you went to a costume party tomorrow, what would you be? <laughs> That's great. Um, tomorrow, uh, I probably won't have a lot of time to prepare for that, but – you know, with with having one leg, you can get really creative with costumes. Uh, you can go Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. Uh, oh, you can, yeah. You could go to Leg Lamp from uh, what's that Christmas story? Is yeah. that what it is? Uh, you, but you have you have me a uh, Lieutenant Dan. That's awesome, right there. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, you, know, you could be a flamingo. Um, you could be a foosball player. Like, I've seen a bunch that are like absolutely. <laughs> that one's amazing. funny. <laughs> dude that's how you embrace what you got going on right there like having yes. fun with it that's next level yes i mean it's i was <laughs> this person sent me a uh a instagram reel or whatever that this one guy did that had one leg but he went every i guess every year he goes all out in like a funny costume having one leg and like he had i hop sign one year which i really i wish i could get an nil deal with i hop that'd be perfect <laughs> um, but <laughs> be funny now uh we actually uh trey richardson got one after he was on here because uh he credited his uh three home runs against arkansas in the regionals to the breakfast that he had at ihop and uh <laughs> they heard about it and uh, so it actually can happen you never know man we'll, we'll tell we'll, yeah, we don't I'll have any connections but if they hear it yeah go ahead and right. tell, tell them what you think <laughs> Hey, I have, I love your breakfast, and I play great afterwards. There you go. <laughs> you start making it happen. Hey, we we do have the credit of being able to. I tell people all the time, man. Um, you know, I've I've set up six hundred and fifty nil deals, uh, and I'm not an agent. And they say, "How do you do it?" I said, "I don't actually do it." And I say, "And what I mean by that is, people contact me after they hear the show, and then I just get them in contact with athletes. So I, I'm basically a steward of it. You know, you're so your man of faith is, is what God's provided us with, right? And, uh-huh. I, and I connect that. And so what I mean is it's y'all. Y'all put yourself out there and then people hear it. And so that's why I like building this platform. And, and it's the beauty of it. You get to spotlight yourself. And so, hey, if IHOP wants to have a guy who's overcame adversity and eats their breakfast, you know yes. what I'm saying? I'm all here for it. There you go. All right. Private yacht or private jet? Mm, I'm going to go with jet just because you can get places faster. You know, I didn't ask this earlier, but do you have any kind of like fear of going on boats now? No, I don't. I, I go tubing still all the time. I really? Know. Really? Yeah, oh it's my I, God. Love it. I, I would love it. uh I don't know, man. Dang. 
that's scary it inspires me now <laughs> yeah no i love it man it's i mean i i know that it wasn't the just book. shows it was a it was a freak accident, right? You yeah, know, it's not something that happens every time. Yeah, exactly. That's why people are terrified going on planes. I'm like, dude, you get, have more of a chance to get in a car accident than plane. Like, come on. No doubt. All right. So last one. This is literally the money question. Would you rather be the number one overall pick with and with you know is Paul Skeen's got almost ten million dollars, or mm-hmm. would you rather win a national championship? Uh, I'm gonna go with a natty. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a ring guy. I feel like anybody can make their way up to the bigs if they put the work in. But, I mean, especially here at ECU, man, that, that, I mean, these fans are itching to go to Omaha, Omaha but much less to win a national championship. So, yeah, I would love I would love to see you guys at Omaha. And I can only imagine what your fan base – I've been there the last three years covering it. And, you yeah. know, you see all the fan bases. And I think the ECU fans – it may not – they may not have as many as LSU, and I get that. But, like, I would – see a lot of dedicated fans and I, i'm all about that you definitely see a lot of purple gold there especially if you guys are there oh Thank man you. that would be that would be wild they would have to come up with a creation of uh new shots which i'm sure people are for i will say I, this I, in regards I to saw, your... i saw a tweet the other day that i think actually uh pack the jungle did the guy named jared plump plumber where the uh he runs that account but uh i think somebody's talking about that was it the jello shots they do or is mm-hmm. it just at that bar or whatever, and I think they had the LSU like predicting to win it again this year, and I think he replied back like, "You guys don't want to see the Pirates get Omaha because yeah. if so. <laughs> well, la- last year basically LSU because what what Rocco's owner did, and I got to talk to him, it's awesome, right? So he does it this first year. Mississippi State um, wins that, not just the national championship. But, you know, creates it. And at that time, they used, like, these pre-made nasty jello shots. Well, then yeah. the next year, he then embraces the com- uh, the competition and then also adds in the local food banks um, to match, you know, 50 of the, 50% of that goes to the food banks of the school um, that the shots are going to. Well, then the next year, he then, I get there in this, this whole new bar where they create the jello shots and it's all these different flavors and they're not – crap tasting anymore they're legit and the jello yeah. tastes really good and then the 50 percent. so each year he gets better and better but i'm gonna tell you man so you know lsu sold like eighty thousand shots like no exaggeration but the amount of people buying pizza there because their pizza is actually fire it's rocco's pizza and then the amount of just other drinks yeah they make enough in that 11 12 day stretch i bet to cover bills for the whole year it's crazy bet, that's that's wild that's so crazy. shout out to that guy man he just hey he he came up with the best thing a competition inside a competition right like yeah the fan base it's a fan base competition you might not be able to win the win the actual thing because your team may not perform but hey you can well that's can, why the team that wins the national championship wins the jello shot competition every year because for instance, it's 2022, out, right? right? Arkansas yeah. was in was in front of Ole Miss, and then Ole Miss knocked them off in baseball, and then Ole Miss ran away with it. So I think Arkansas would have actually won that. Their fans left, so you know, yeah, yeah facts. But I will I will say this to wrap up the question I asked you. Uh, I used to argue money, and then two things happened. First, Paul Skeens came on here um, and told me uh, he, we had him the first time, and then you know, second time he says. And this is after he was the number one pick. He said he would give the money back and the pick. He would never uh, trade in the memories that he got from this past season. So I had a guy who actually was the first pick tell me that he would. Give it back. So I can't argue that. And then Trey Lipscomb 
um, from formerly yeah, Tennessee with the Nationals. He flipped it on me because it's the second time I asked him um, because he was a previous guest too. And uh, I formatted it in a different way. He said, you know what? Let me ask you. He goes, would you take the podcast or $10 million? I said, $10 million. He goes, no, 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 no. He said, think about it. We tell you about the memories, the run with it. He goes, I've watched you and your son the last three years. You've been to Omaha. You've been to all these different cities, games, the memories you've made, all the friends you've made, the players you've talked to. You give all that back for $10 million. I was like, you know what, Trey? That's why I asked the questions, man. That ain't fair. Because I'm not, yeah. you can't, I'm not trading three years of memories yeah, with my son. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think most people are going to take, um, it's not even, you, you said you're about to read it. It's not even the hardware. It's just everything that's going to come with that run. Yeah, for sure, dude. It's, it's going to be great. Well, before I let you go, man, opportunity, uh, I know you already plugged the commercial, but anything else you want to plug or promote? Uh, really just ECU, man. The fans here, just community, just everybody here is just phenomenal. I uh, just really appreciate all the support and the fans that, I mean, really throughout the whole nation, really, not just ECU, but everybody has been on my side and has been pulling for me. I just really appreciate everybody. Yeah, and I think after your commercial runs during the Super Bowl and people see that, I think you're going to inspire a ton more people, and I'm hoping through that – um, also, you know, businesses, you know, we joke about the IHOP, but especially if you get out there on that field and you end up doing your thing, um, people will, will want to be behind you and put their brand with you because I would, um, cause it shows that you're a winner. But if y'all want to follow Parker on IG, it's Parker bird add an extra D or like he said, ECU underscore baseball. Um, I tell you what, man, y'all's creative team, whether it's the graphics or the videos, they are top notch. So if you're not familiar with ECU baseball, you're doing it wrong. Follow them on Instagram or Twitter. Um, they're next level. But Parker, man, I thank you for coming on here and sharing your story. And I wish you nothing but best of luck in this upcoming season. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here, man. Absolutely. Perfect. My peers on 1%. <laughs> All right, that's Parker Bird, everybody. If you like hearing his yes. story – or you just like hearing Average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, ratings, comment, hugs, loves, feedback, all that good stuff is welcome. We will see everyone back Monday night. Daniel will be back for episode 24 with nasty Nate Ackenhausen of LSU Baseball. But in the meantime, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We are out. Yes, sir.